Welcome, friends, to another episode of the WorldCraft Club podcast. Here at this podcast, we're all about helping you create immersive settings that are going to draw your audience back time and time again. And today, we are talking about tropes. Now, tropes are normally a story-specific or narrative-specific topic, but we want to talk about it in the context of world-building. With me today is our very own Marcus. Hey, Seth. How's it going? It's going pretty well, Marcus. Yeah. It's going I'm, pretty I'm well. enjoying these live talks. Absolutely. With you guys. So we have been doing some live recordings. Definitely let us know which episode you like the sound of the best, because we're trying a different a couple different yeah. setups. Different mics, different setups, different places. That's right. And as always, we are brought to you by our glorious Worldcraft Club community. You guys. You guys. Brought to you by you. <laughs> so we have a really cool Patreon that you should totally plug into. It's very fun. You should also plug into our Discord server. We have a new Discord server. I say new, it's been going on for a little bit. Yeah. We have a really awesome community of creators, specifically world builders, people who are interested in practicing what they preach and actually making things. One of the coolest things has been seeing all the different products that are rolling through the Worldcraft Club Discord. Mm -hmm. From like different store ideas, different concepts, to even people making their own TTRPG systems. That we then get to play test just because we're part of the group. Mm -hmm. It has been so fun. Well, today we want to talk to you about tropes. So I heard this idea once and we want to unpack it a little bit. The idea was that tropes are like salt. They're great for seasoning a world, but they can just as easily ruin it. Yeah. I don't know if anybody who is listening to this podcast has ever had the misfortune of having older brothers, but I can't say that. My brothers were great. Okay. My brothers were great. I, I was about to say that I had six, um, but that's... No, 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 no. You had six All, older brothers. I do. I come okay. from a very large family. Anyway. Wow. All my brothers are fantastic. Okay. Right? But every once in a while, you'll run into somebody who thinks it's a great idea to switch the sugar and the salt. Mm. And when you're not expecting salt and something ends up being extra salty because you pour in a lot of sugar that's actually salt, mm. you know, it's a bad surprise. In a lot of ways, tropes in a world can be like that salt, right? They can be something that brings out the flavor, like when you salt a nice steak mm -hmm. or makes it a little more palatable. It makes it more palatable, right? Yeah. It brings out the different flavors and the complexity or you put a little bit too much on and all of a sudden not even the dog's going to eat it. <laughs> so I want to talk about this again, specifically relating to world building. So Marcus, what is a trope? Well, tropes, they're like a figurative or metaphorical use of a word or expression like in commonplace it's a recognizable plot element a theme or even a visual cue that conveys something in the arts doesn't matter what medium okay so you could have tropes in everything from movies to still pictures everything from novels to mm -hmm. ttrpgs yeah it's just this recognizable thing already it's like a pre-established kind of I almost don't want to say shortcut, but sometimes it is. It kind of acts like a shortcut. But people okay. see it, and they already are given pre-established information. Interesting. Interesting. 
So how is it different from a meme? Oh, this might not be the conversation for that. (laughs) (laughs) That that was that is a surprisingly good question. (laughs) And maybe it's not different from a meme, right? Because a meme is a way of conveying information, sometimes across medium. Yeah, right. I think there's a line there because I think the meme itself is the punchline. Right. And you're trying to get different flavors of the punchline. And a trope doesn't necessarily exist on its own. It's made to serve a narrative ah, or a world. Okay. Um, right. Because when I bigger. look at a meme, mm-hmm. the entirety of the concept is contained inside that image. Yeah. And the information that's attached to that image. Mm-hmm. But with a trope, it's a piece of a whole. Yeah. So it doesn't matter if I have a hard bitten loner hero if there's nobody for him to interact with yeah right he's only important in the context of the greater story but when i have my character ride into town on a horse dressed in black with his hat pulled down over his eyes and two guns on his hip Mm -hmm. you know exactly who that is yeah you have seen him before Mm -hmm. if you're a fan of westerns in any capacity Mm mm-hmm Interesting. Okay. So a trope is a, again, just sort of repeating the definition to make sure I'm really understanding it. A trope is a piece of information that is commonplace or easily recognizable and gives me a whole lot of other information because I recognize it from other things. Yeah. From other stories, from other worlds. Without much explanation needed. Right. Because, Because when the spurs jingle and he pushes his way into the bar and mm-hmm. everybody stops and looks at him mm-hmm. i know outsider they know what's up to right yeah. <laughs> that's, that's right that's right you know and everybody starts moving away from the bar mm-hmm. right we all know the reader the watcher the visitant and the people in the story immediately know who this guy is and then you play on that expectation when he orders milk <laughs> yeah that's right okay so let's save talking about subverting tropes Mm -hmm. for a little bit i think we'll come back to that we'll come back to that let's talk about when tropes are really helpful because Mm -hmm. tropes have a bad reputation a bit yeah i think one of the curses of world building is the desire often overwhelming desire to generate something new Mm. right i think about avatar oh goodness The movie, Avatar. Blue aliens on the planet Pandora. Yes, blue aliens on the planet Pandora. There's a movie that introduced enough new stuff that people went wild. Mm -hmm. There seemed to be this unique mystery to the world of Pandora. Yeah, for sure. That people really loved visiting. But the story that was set in it was effectively Pocahontas. It was Mm -hmm. the Pocahontas trope. Yeah. Right? You have natives, you have a resource, you have invaders. Everybody knows how this is going to play out. Mm-hmm. Right? But this is interesting because the first one came out and was wildly, it was the most successful movie in history. Mm-hmm. And then the second one, third one, and fourth one, which are being filmed, mm-hmm. still haven't come out. And the main reason that they haven't come out is because... The technology didn't exist to create what James Cameron wanted to create, right? He was imagining something so different and new that it didn't exist yet. And yet, here's this guy who is visionary in the worlds he's creating. Yeah. And then he drops Pocahontas into it. 
I think I can understand why he just basically dropped in the whole trope of Pocahontas. And the reason why is that, like, myself, you, and basically our circle recognize this is Pocahontas retold, Mm -hmm. you know, just in a sci-fi kind of atmosphere. Right. You know who didn't care about that? Hmm. My parents. Which were Uh... basically, I can probably attribute them that they are the common moviegoer. They love Avatar. They cannot wait for the second movie. Yeah. They want to go to the theme parks and ride the Avatar ride and everything. Yeah, which is fantastic, by the way. Yeah. But there's this kind of unrelated on the subject, but I'll, I'll mention it. There's the stigma of CG. Mm -hmm. or CGI stuff, that it's more cartoons and it doesn't really make the big bucks. You need live action actors there in some capacity for the average moviegoer to care about. And I think he knew that there's going to be a lot of CG, there's going to be weird characters, let's at least make the story easy to consume. Ah, okay. Even though it is, like for us, frustrating that now it's kind of been stained as in another Pocahontas movie when I think the idea of basically this nature is the internet right idea that they were kind of doing yeah and can you hack the planet right (laughs) in this you know it's like is that what we're going to see maybe in the next movies yeah you know I think that's pretty interesting but it got overshadowed because then people just this obvious invader versus you know native trope right was so apparent with the love story with love story So what you're talking about there, though, is really interesting because what you seem to be suggesting, and definitely correct me if if I'm misinterpreting here, but Mm -hmm. what you seem to be suggesting is that there is a huge amount of value in people in your visitant understanding something about the story when they're walking into it. Yes. This is definitely something that flies in the face of conventional world building wisdom which says the more new the more unique your setting the more people will love it Mm, that's not necessarily always true it is if people can relate to your world i Ah. think is more important so james cameron's genius in some senses was dropping a massive trope in the middle of a unique space Mm mm-hmm So the world of Pandora is very unique, but the story that plays out in it is so immediately recognizable or at least immediately approachable for your average person. Mm -hmm. That then any new content that he would throw would be immediately easily consumed by the moviegoer. Flying dragons, huge mechs. Great. Sure. Because I understand where this story is going. Yep. Interesting. 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 So that is an example of a trope used really well, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. We already highlighted there were some negatives and some positives to it. Sure. But overall, I mean, it's really hard to argue with the success of Avatar. Mm -hmm. I think it served its purpose, the trope. So when are tropes unhelpful? Let's flip it. Okay. Right? Let's talk about the opposite side. Mm -hmm. When are tropes bad? I think tropes are bad when, well, much like what we mentioned, people are just like, this is just the same thing, like the other thing. Or like, they will know like another story, or maybe there's this overused trope, but it's overused because nobody throws their own spin on it. And maybe somebody doesn't like the poorly written, quote, strong woman, you know, Uh, like in Ultraviolet, I'll say. Yeah, that was rough. You know, I will stress 
poorly written right, right you know and that was man i really wanted to love that movie i did too granted some of the action scenes were like pretty nice they were and they were they had a really cool matrix moment mm-hmm. when she mm-hmm. walks into the metal detectors yeah and if you're a fan of equilibrium this yep. was the same people this was the evolution of the gun kata absolutely but Fantastic. because it was poorly written i don't know if we're going to see the gun kata again past john wick <laughs> yeah you know that's a really interesting point so you had a character who was set in this just brilliant world had a lot of potential it had a lot of potential and there were so many beautifully constructed Mm -hmm. scenes the mary sue horrible trope yes that's what okay the main character became right with mary sue obviously comes mr gary was that the male version gary stew gary stew I've never heard that before. Yeah. I, I feel bad for not hearing this. No, no, no. I just no. like, oh, they're no. all Mary Sue's. That's a great example, though, of a world that was really interesting and cool mm-hmm. and not even that unique because we've all seen the single city dystopia mm-hmm. before, right? Yeah. We know what's going on there, like the high levels of control and manipulation and like we understand mm-hmm. the setting, right? But then you put in a character that just has plot armor and is op in all the wrong ways horrible one-liners right right you know and then you contrast that with something like (laughs) equilibrium right Mm -hmm. and equilibrium has its own problems yeah yeah for sure despite that most people i've talked to love it Mm -hmm. recognizing it for what it is Mm -hmm. they love it i love it right Mm -hmm. the introduction though in equilibrium a character who doesn't always seem to win in fact seems to be losing mm-hmm. more and more as the story progresses yeah and then has sort of the revelatory moment and picks himself up by his bootstraps and you know mm-hmm. murders everybody with extreme prejudice yeah um you know what we love to see in mm-hmm. good old action dystopian yeah. movies yeah <laughs> or even even to compare the actresses i think uh Lilu from the fifth element was written better Absolutely. You know, if you want to draw yeah, direct comparison. Direct comparison. That, you know. No, that's fantastic. So we've had an example of where tropes are great, right? Mm-hmm. Bringing an unknown world or a different world mm-hmm. into a place where it is easily recognizable to the audience, right? Mm-hmm. And giving them a sense of comfort yeah. in that space. And then tropes done poorly... The Mary Sue, right, where mm-hmm. here is the strong woman who can overcome all or odds. Or just strong character, yeah. Or just strong character, right? Yeah. Because men do it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that begs the question, mm-hmm. how do you determine if the trope you're about to use is good or if it's bad? Is there an easy way to determine when you're setting up your world in the first place, hey, this trope is going to work for my purposes, or hey, this trope is just going to make my audience mad? Well, I think you almost hinted at it. The trope has to work for your purpose. And we had mentioned another trope, the kind of wizened old teacher that's supposed to guide the hero for yeah, a certain time. Yeah, we, we talked about that in the last episode. But anyway, exposition. Yeah, previous, yeah, the exposition episode. All of them are the same trope. That is like we mentioned Dumbledore, Gandalf the Grey, Obi-Wan Kenobi, and right. this wheelchair guy from Into the Badlands. Right. They're all and the same. Dodgeball. And dodgeball. <laughs> yes. The <laughs> wheelchair guy ball. and dodgeball. They're all basically the same character and they serve the same narrative purpose of, right. you know, being a teacher and teaching the hero about the ways. But they all have their different spins on it. Right. Gandalf and Dumbledore may look the same you know, at first glance. Right, they're both wizards, they both have big gray beards. Mm-hmm. But they are they are different people. Yeah. You know? 
they're both getting short people to go on adventures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I think the trope is not creatively used. All those have their own spin. Okay, so so tropes are bad when you are just giving the trope. Yeah. You are not doing anything interesting you, with you it. You are thinking, you're adding the trope, thinking like, okay, there's the trope, I don't need to do anymore. So to go back to our avatar example, mm-hmm. right? Here is a world that's very different and going to be very alien to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But then we drop this trope into it, the Pocahontas story, right? This very familiar story, mm-hmm. but we're doing it with mechs and the internet yeah. and all sorts of technological yeah. advancements because that serves the actual story. Yeah. It explains why we're on the world because it's the future. Right. right. It takes the trope and then it manipulates it in a way that makes it work for the world and for the story. Correct. This is really interesting and this is really helpful as a world builder to be able to say, okay, when I am examining a trope that I'm about to drop into my story, what purpose does it serve, right? Now, we talked earlier about how tropes are sometimes shorthand for a whole pile of information that we want people to know. Yeah, to help you get away from lore dumping. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And and Mm -hmm. so, right, you can cut down your exposition by using these tropes. So that leads me to believe, though, that a properly used trope will never look exactly like another trope or the same trope in another world. Right. Because when it's properly used, it's being massaged Mm -hmm. to fit into your world and convey the information or at least part of the information that you want that the overall trope contains. Right. That you want to convey. Does that seem reasonable? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think you you mapped it out there. So as I'm thinking about that, a particular story pops to mind. Okay. I was visiting with a, a friend who happens to be on our Discord okay. this past weekend. He's on the Discord. You should be on the Discord too. And on his bookshelf, I saw one of my favorite books, Guards, Guards by Terry Pratchett. Oh, okay. And it pops into mind because there's a very interesting trope that starts the whole story. Uh-huh. And that is the trope of the forgotten prince forgotten prince right or the deposed royalty that has grown up among the commoners oh okay. right and then comes back to the city yeah, yeah to reclaim his rightful throne that's how the story starts it's, it's based on i think i think it's guards guards pretty sure it's guards guards okay tell me if i'm wrong you can do that on facebook you can do that by sending me an email at worldcraftclubpodcast at gmail.com or you can do that by <clears throat> joining our discord server mm-hmm. so in this book <laughs> it starts with this trope which immediately tells the reader, this is what the story is going to be about. Yeah. And then you get a little way into it and you realize that the rightful king of the city is a six foot plus tall human oh, with wow. bright orange hair, really, right. named Carrot, who grew up as a dwarf and thinks he's a dwarf. Oh. And oh. doesn't have any interest in being the ruler of a human city and instead comes to be a guard. He comes <laughs> to join the guard. So Pratchett, who is, if you want to be a good writer, just study Terry Pratchett. That's all I got to say. <laughs> so Pratchett sets up this trope yeah. at the beginning and then masterfully massages it to completely subvert the expectation of the reader and bring them on this grand adventure where they think they're watching one thing. Mm-hmm. When really they're watching something else. I mean, it's complete with a sword that can stab through stone. My goodness, you just really need to read this book. 
does he even like have the qualities of a king? He does, or and 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 I think okay, that's so he's where not just a butthole. And yes, correct. And <laughs> I I'm think... like he thinks he's a dwarf. I think he's just like being brash or whatever. No, 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 no. So that's what's so fascinating about this is because he is a kingly person. Okay. Because of his history, right? Right. Because he was raised right. Uh huh by the dwarves and <laughs> it's so fascinating though to see how he uses this trope because because he sets up the expectation and then he uses characteristics from that trope to demonstrate the qualities of the individual mm-hmm. right Kara is a very kingly person he is a protector he is wise he is strong he leads very well right yeah okay but he's also not interested in being the king. Right. That is very interesting. That is a great subversion of that trope. This sort of brings our conversation back around to something you mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. which is subverting the trope. Mm-hmm. And I think that is a powerful, like you just illustrated, I think that is a very powerful, almost a counter to overused tropes. Because people recognize a trope, Mm-hmm. You can very easily bring all the audience together on the same page and the same expectation, mm-hmm. which just sets them up <laughs> for you to turn the story upside down. Oh, man. You know? Okay. Okay. I understand what you're saying here. Yeah. So you're effectively using misdirection that you know they're going to fall for. Mm-hmm. It is like a guaranteed look over there. Yeah. And then your jump scare comes from the mm-hmm. opposite side. Mm-hmm. Or, like, another subversion, I even like, this overpowered person that has no equal, that defeats all his enemies in one punch. (laughs) How boring of a character do you have to create? No, he knows it's boring. Right. In fact, that's his main problem, not the big bad he fights. It's that there is no fight, you know. So if anybody has not seen One Punch Man, (laughs) oh my goodness, go and get the manga or go and watch the show. Mm -hmm. It is genius, especially if you like anime. Mm -hmm. It does remind me of a particular episode of the show where he dreams that he fights people and they are hard to beat. Mm -hmm. And then he wakes up and the reality is quite different, and he is so angry. He is so upset. <laughs> he's so Heart breaks. Oh, man. It is hysterical. Anyway, yeah. okay, so that's a great example of taking a trope mm-hmm. that people are going to then expect, okay, this is how this story is going to play out because he's OP, Yeah. right? And when we see the overpowered person trope, it's often in a situation or it's often in a world that's trying to desperately make them cool. Yeah. Right? You have the overpowered person and everything in the world is happening to make that person as cool as possible. Mm -hmm. This is the opposite. Yeah. Right? It's a trope, the overpowered person, but he's just frankly overpowered. Yeah. And so everybody else in the story gets huge amounts of time to shine because his fights are so, so short. Mm-hmm. It's in the title, people. Yeah. One punch. One punch. That's it. That's it. And oh. he, he hates that that happens. And he gets just more frustrated and more just disenfranchised with himself. He just and the whole saying, system. Yeah. Yeah. Even if you're, you're a fan of anime or even if you're a fan of uh, superheroes. Yeah. Superheroes. You know, if... Are another great one. Yeah. Definitely go, definitely check it out. It gets a A plus recommendation from the Worldcraft Club podcast. For sure. As we're drawing to a close here, because mm-hmm. we've sort of run our time, I want to give a practical world building tool 
that has sort of appeared in the midst of our conversation. Okay. And that is that tropes are really good for conveying information, right? Mm -hmm. A trope is going to clearly illustrate a piece of information that you don't want to spend a lot of time expositing, Mm -hmm. but you can deliver it through the form of a trope. But tropes are also really good for delivering the wrong or misleading information. Mm-hmm. right? Information that you ultimately want to subvert, an expectation that you ultimately want to subvert. So as a world builder, I think one of the things that you can do with tropes in your world is use them to highlight a important piece of information. Let's say you're playing a TTRPG. Let's say you're sending your players on an adventure. Okay. And let's say you want them to understand that the clue to the mystery they're trying to solve is in a particular bar, Mm -hmm. right? If every time they've walked into a tavern up until this point in the game, the tavern keeper has been a jovial, friendly person. Yeah. And then they walk into a bar and the tavern keeper is not friendly and doesn't want them to stay. Mm, That red flags. Yeah, red flags indeed. It's like, wait, what's going on here? That's right. You're immediately telling the person because you've been establishing information over time, you've been establishing an expectation, right? You've been creating your own trope. There you go. Now, when you break that trope, when you subvert what they're expecting, Mm -hmm. all of a sudden it highlights that piece of information as critically important. And I think as a world builder, we can do that, right? Mm -hmm. If... On the bottom of the ocean, in your world, there are a whole bunch of pylons that are Mm non-functioning. And then somebody finds a key that looks like it's going to fit in one of those pylons, right? You are, by repeating information over and over again, you're establishing a trope, Right. right? And then by giving them either a key to it or something slightly different, Mm -hmm. you're highlighting, ooh, this is something to pay attention to. Yeah. So I think as a practical takeaway, we understand that good tropes are tropes that are molded to your world. Mm -hmm. Bad tropes are tropes that don't fit your world and simply convey information that's sort of out of place or that convey information that's not necessary for your story. And tropes can be used, the repetition of information can be used to not only establish expectation, but to subvert. Oh, yes. Expectation in your story. Oh, yes. Very cool. This has been a super fun episode, Marcus. This has been a really really good conversation. Yeah, I've enjoyed it. If you're interested in hearing more content like this, definitely come out and check us on Patreon. We are putting out extra episodes for our patrons. A whole bunch of extra types of content are coming soon. We are in the process of expanding what we're doing. I will probably get murdered by James if I tell you any actual information about that. (laughs) So I'm not going to. But coming soon, if that's not an overused trope, I don't know what is. Please stand by. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) So please stand by while we prep all of that. It should be coming later this year. You're going to start seeing some Mm -hmm. more activity from us. And the best place to find out what is coming in the future Mm -hmm. is definitely the Discord. Oh, yeah. Even come down, tell us what your favorite tropes are or what your most hated tropes are. Yes. We would love to, yes. to further discuss this. Even better if you can find a meme that encapsulates it. <laughs> we do love our memes. So without further ado, thank you so much for joining us in this episode of the World Craft Club podcast. And we will catch you next time. 
Y'all take care. Thank you for joining us on the Worldcraft Club podcast. Be sure to come and find us on Facebook, Instagram, or on our Discord server linked below. If you love what you hear, please give us a five-star rating on the podcatcher of your choice. And finally, we want to say a thank you to our amazing patrons who support us on Patreon. If you want to chip in and help us produce more content, please head down and find us at patreon.com forward slash worldcraftclub to get extra episodes and content for as little as $2 a month. Again, this has been the Worldcraft Club, and we're so glad you gave us a listen. Until next time.